0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard as we reach the midway point of a big European week. Nine-man Celtic lose their Champions League opener going down 2-0 at Feyenoord. Nicholas Raskin is out injured for Rangers ahead of Real Betis. And Aberdeen against Frankfurt is just around the corner as well. I'm Gordon Duncan and joining me tonight you have Marvin Bartley. And Hugh Evans. Well, I'd uh, argue that Celtic possibly got off lightly last night with a 2-0 defeat. Two other goals disallowed by VAR, a missed penalty. Not a great night for Brendan Rodgers. And I think uh, reckless on the part of Thiago Tom and uh, Gustav Lagerbach uh, in getting sent off. As for tomorrow night, bad news for Michael Beale. He had already lost Todd Cantwell. Now he's lost his other big signing in uh, Raskin. And for Aberdeen in Frankfurt, Marv, I don't give them an earthly. Will we just will we just address the elephant in the room though? Please. Oli Gunnar Shugster here <laughs> has just dashed into the studio. <laughs> you talk about super subs, you've never seen anything like it. We had a slight staffing issue uh, on the show. This man arrived 15 seconds before we went on air He's looking a bit windswept <laughs> He might have mispronounced Lager Bielka But yeah. we'll let him away with it Marvin Because what an entrance that was Absolutely fantastic And I much prefer sitting next to you Hugh than Simon Donnelly If he is watching so See, I was almost later than a Marvin Bartley tackle <laughs> Honestly He's bailed us out Imagine it was just you and I oh, Between wow. now and 8 o'clock We'd have been struggling But it's a busy midweek Is it? What else do you want? Champions League football to look back on Europa League Football to look forward to You throw Aberdeen into the mix as well Injury news for Rangers It is all happening It really is I really enjoy watching our teams in Europe as well um, You know, whenever a Scottish team are playing Whoever they might be I'm always supporting them So obviously I watched the Celtic game yesterday Which Hughes touched on a little bit there I thought for the first half I thought they were very, very good um, You know, and then obviously moving forward to the games With Rangers and Aberdeen playing tomorrow So hopefully those two can get a positive result because um, like I said, it's good for the country. No shortage of talking points. So Celtic fans, what did you make of last night? How do you sum it up overall? Obviously it's a defeat and that's a bad outcome. How does it leave you for the rest of the group? What did you make of the performance? As Marvin says, I think most people felt the first half was encouraging up to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it all went wrong in defensive scenarios and disciplinary as well. Did the ref get those right? Do you have any grumbles uh, with the red cards? All of your thoughts, please, on last night's game in Rotterdam. Get them in right now, because I've been looking at social media all day. I know you have a lot to say about it, so why not give us a call on 01419511025. Since it is UEFA competition, let's use UEFA speak. It is match day minus one for you Rangers fans. So what do you think ahead of tomorrow? The bad injury news just keeps on coming. It was Danilo at the weekend. It's now Nicholas Raskin. Todd Cantwell still out, remember. Uh, So how damaging is that? How big a blow is it overall? How would you fix it tomorrow? What's your solution tomorrow? And do you hold out much hope of a Rangers win and progression from this group? Same number. Get your calls in 01419511025. And Aberdeen fans, even Mr. Positive Marvin Bartley, I think, is unlikely to tip you to get a result uh, tomorrow night. Why not come on and uh, argue your case? If you think it can be done, let us know 01419511025. 
1025. It is a busy, busy old week, Hugh. Yeah, I mean, with the best will in the world, we've got an Aberdeen team who are joint bottom of the Premiership. They have had a very disappointing start to the season uh, with no wins as yet on the board. Uh, they were shocking, I thought, against the uh, Hearts at the weekend. And they're playing a German team who are in good form. As for Rangers, like Celtic, they have been hampered seriously by injury. Celtic last night still feeling the effects of no Cameron Carter-Vickers and no Mike Navrosky. Um, an honourable mention to Liam Scales. I think he continues to play above and beyond the call of duty. But no Todd Cantwell for Rangers tomorrow night, no Nicholas Raskin, no Danilo out for weeks because of that fractured cheekbone. They have it all to do. Even though Real Betis were thumped 5-0 mm. by Barcelona at the weekend, they will present a formidable challenge tomorrow. Yeah, it's a massive challenge in terms of the injuries, as, as Hugh's saying there. And, you know, there'll be an Ibrox, you know, crowd who expect as well. Mm. Um, you know, they won't really care about the injuries. You know, they've, they've voiced their opinions on how the team have started. Um, you know, maybe a lack of cohesion as well that, that seems to be in there. And, and for Michael Beale, it doesn't get any easier. You know, when you're losing your players, you know, it seems game by game, week by week, it makes it even more difficult for him to get a settled side together. But, you know, that Real Betis did lose 5-0 at the weekend and, you know, Rangers have to take positives from that because, you know, they're expected to win the game tomorrow. The talking points are staring us in the face tonight. Celtic fans, very simply, what did you make of last night? We could probably dedicate a whole show to that, but we won't get the chance because Rangers fans, similarly, a whole show in terms of what do you expect tomorrow? How big a blow is the Nicholas Raskin injury? We're going to hear from some of the main characters involved in both and then Aberdeen as well. What are you thinking? Get your calls in, please. 01419511025. That's the number that Brian in Moss Park has dialed. Kick us off, Brian. As a Celtic fan, what, what did you make of last night? Um, I think everybody's going to go to the main points, but our points are a wee, a wee bit different. Our points concern a real Hattati. I think on three occasions he could have played in Kyogo and was a far better chance of scoring. And rather than that, I think he's been selfish. I think he's probably trying to put himself post when the shot wonder, but trying to show people how good he thinks he is rather than how good he actually is. And he was playing for the, the benefit of the team most of just Solely for himself. A trifle yeah, harsh, that. Brian, a trifle harsh for me because, you know, Hatati can't go anywhere until January and you are surmising that he does want to go. Uh, he came in last night, very little game time this season because of injury. And yes, there were times when he looked laboured and yes, he had to be taken off before the end. But, you know, who got pass marks for Celtic last night? You know, Liam Scales for one. Uh, but the, uh, Alistair Johnston certainly for two But there weren't that many, Brian, that would get past marks Including Rio Hattati Correct You're not answering my question you are, I wasn't commenting on his performance I was commenting on three occasions It was nothing to do with tiredness and whatever But that is his performance You say that on three occasions during his performance He could have done better What player doesn't do that during a game? What player doesn't make the wrong decision at a, a vital moment? So... You know, he didn't do it deliberately. He's a, he's a guy trying to find his feet once again. I would beg to differ away by McKeel was a far better finisher than him and for the best. Hold on. Are you saying he did it deliberately? I think Brian genuinely has dropped off. We'll try and get him back. Um, 
Well, look, you can probably separate this into two distinct points, Marvin. On those moments, Brian is right. There's the one in particular where, yeah. where he, he wins it back and it is just begging to be rolled into Kyogo's path and he tries to go for goal himself and there's a defender right in front of him and he hits it off his legs. The main sort of learning point we seemed to take away from Celtic in the Champions League last season was they need to be more clinical. Everyone always bangs on about style and, you know, parking the bus or being more pragmatic, all these buzz phrases. But really, if they'd taken their chances last season, it could, and I stress that, could have been a bit different. Is that, is that match sharpness? As Hugh mentions, can these things just happen? Or has Brian managed to join the dots perfectly and say that that's all because he wants a move? No, it's a bit of both from, from what Hugh's saying. You know, I don't agree for, for a single second that you know he's taking the shot and rather than the pass because he's thinking about the move and, and scoring a goal. Because I think he does enough between both boxes for teams, if they do like him as a player, to see him. I think you know the one he does, he should roll Kyogo in and I think he'll look back himself and he'll know that. But it does come down to match sharpness as well. When you've not played for a few weeks, then you're going into such a tough game, by the way. You know, Champions League game. I mean, you have to play out your skin and beat your best at the best of times. So, you know, it, it's not down to that at all. You know, he's, he's always taken a shot and because he, at that moment in time, he thought it was the best option. We can all look back and it's easy to watch things on the screen, isn't it? Start pausing them and say, you should have done this or should have done that. I agree, you should have rolled him in. And I think three or four weeks down the line when he is a little bit sharper and his match fitness is there, and it's not just a physical thing, it's a mental thing as well when you're playing. When you've not played for a while, mentally you start to think slower and you know you start to make mistakes you don't normally make. So I think in three or four weeks' time when he's up mm. to speed, he would have definitely yeah, rolled him here, in. Here's the thing, Hugh. Brian might be right. Rio Hitati might want a way. But we, we'll, we'll never... We'll never. Brian will never know. We'll certainly never know if that is behind the misplaced or the decision yeah, not to pass to, to Kyogo. If my memory serves me correctly, he played in Dyson Meda at one point and uh, it, it resulted in what was the closest Celtic came to a goal. But to suggest that a player mid-September is deliberately trying to play for a move which cannot take place until January at the earliest and... Uh, sacrifice his team's prospects in the Champions League I think that's a grossly unfair criticism Brian we'll just agree to disagree right because it was a, it was a good point clearly you can in the sense that it's got everyone arguing um, what about more general though because it's a very specific one as a Celtic fan what do you, what do you think about, you know performance result the kind of general picture I think it was a good performance I think fairly skilled I'm a big fan of skills but Joe Hart I'd love to know what he was thinking his position was shocking and the two sending off they were idiotic and I think their three kick was a fat a touch soft as well and I think they're certainly not the team that they thought they were I am not and I think they're there for the that can well yeah maybe we'll find out but that, that can almost bring its own frustration Marvin because up to, what was it at 44 minutes yeah Celtic are well in a game and everyone talks about it being the, the top um, top seeds in the group or the top one team in the group and it's away from home you know we, we've seen numerous Champions League nights where our teams have to hold their hands up and say oh, it's, a, it's a much better team that maybe wasn't one of them but yet Celtic still have no points so it doesn't give you any any encouragement it can sometimes be even more frustrating yeah I think it will be highly frustrating for Brendan um you know, I think the positives you can take from it, like you said, the first 44 minutes with a team of an awful lot of injuries, by the way. Um, so when he's talking about kind of the return tie and he's got those players back, you know, and you're playing at Celtic Park with the fans behind you, you definitely fancy winning that game, as Brian's just said there. Um, you know, he did make comments on, on the sending-offs. Uh, the first one for me is is diabolical. You know, the one where the penalty is given 
that that for me can't be can't be a second booking. For me, it's not even a foul. You know, I've been in that position so many times as a defender, and you do put your arm across, and it, listen, it brushes his chest, and then he goes down and makes a meal of it, and obviously holds his face. I, I could not believe that that was given first and foremost as a foul, and second, uh, secondly, as a, a second booking. In terms of the the second one, that that is a red card. You know, when you see it at the time, I thought, oh, was he just going in quickly? But when you look at where his, you know, his studs catch the, the opposition player, it, it becomes reckless. Um, so for me, that that was a red card. I think uh, this is a myth, by the way. Uh, oh, they're there for the taking at Celtic Park. Celtic don't mm. take many people at Celtic Park in Europe. It's a myth. Yeah, well, it's, again, it's one of those phrases that we can only wait, you know, one of you will be right. But I, I think Brian's more general point is, Feyenoord weren't amazing. This is not like, oh, no. you know, Celtic couldn't... Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't have done any more on the night. Clear, you, you watch that first 44 minutes and you think that there is nothing between these sides and then Celtic find a, a series of ways to undo that thereafter. Yeah, yeah, which again is a Celtic failing uh, in European competition. Uh, there's no doubt that Kyogo's in the wrong place in the wall and there's no doubt that Kyogo ducks out the way of the ball. But Joe Hart, a goalkeeper of his calibre, should have dealt with it far better than he did. Um, and yes... Everyone went on about Feyenoord and the number of goals they had scored uh, in the Eredivisie before Celtic played there. And they had scored, what, 17 in four games or something. Yes, they were not that great. But I go back to the original point that I made. They scored twice, they missed a penalty, and they had two others mm. disallowed. So Celtic got off yeah. lightly. I always, th- I always think the thing about disallowed, though, the disallowed... For a reason. If they're correctly disallowed, I don't think you then use well, that as a stick to beat, to a, beat a team with. You, indi- could, you could score 15 disallowed goals. A, a, an indication of pressure then. Yeah, you fair know, enough. The, the Celtic uh, did not do enough. They did not look out of their depth, but they did not do enough to, to get a draw, what marvellous did, win. What did you make of the, the red cards? Marvin, I think, said diabolical the first one. Doesn't uh, think that's ever a red no, for, for Lagerbielka. Uh, Lagerbielka. No, I thought that he was harshly dealt with. But uh, Thiago Tom, nah, reckless. Home. Right, home. But listen, I'm, listen, you can do anything you want tonight. <laughs> you came in at one minute past six and yeah. bailed us out uh, tonight. He, he lasted 11 minutes on the pitch. And I'll allow his age to come into consideration. He's 20 years old. This is the Champions League. But... He was mm. rash and reckless and had to go. Well, let's hear from Brendan Rogers. This was his take on the red card. There's no drama. The ball's running through the goalkeeper. I think it's inexperienced by the two guys. You just got to let the ball run through. You don't have to be in the fight or use your arm. I still thought it was a bit harsh, but I can see maybe why they, the ref gave it. But we, we can avoid that situation for sure. And the second one again, it's it's you know, a young player. 20 years of age, very committed, and uh, but at this level you can't you can't go to ground. So uh, I didn't think it was at the time, but just looking at it back, I mean you see it slowed, his foot's up. So uh, at this level you'll get punished for that. Fair play to Brendan Rodgers because I think Marvin, I'm the first one, I'm, I'm just imagining myself if that was a, a Scotland player sent off for that or someone in Claret and Amber, I, I don't think I would be quite as... Um, is understanding because is he, is he even alludes to the, the ball's actually going to the goalkeeper so not Lager Bielka doesn't really prevent you know the attacker getting to the ball he's also sort of off balance and I'm kind of yeah I, I don't think any, anyone's complaining if, if that isn't given really no, are they? even if the ball's there and he puts his arm there it's irrelevant mm. you know I'm, I'm, I'm extremely surprised that you know Brendan's obviously came out and said what he said you know, listen maybe he's thinking I can't change it so what's the point I mean, he, listen I always it. say this I, I like that for a manager yeah. he has to 
control what he can yeah, of course and, and try and stop those situations happening again yeah, yeah but we can come to the defense of, of the player and, and of brendan in this situation like. yeah because uh, it's harsh let's bring in alec who's also a celtic fan how did you see it last night alec hi i've got two quick points Go right first point is mcgregor right he's a captain of that, that that team he must have seen what was going on there with Kiego in that defensive wall he should have pulled him out of there no you're you're too small to be in there he should have pulled him out and my second point is let's do that first that's a good point let's yeah. do it first um right marvin Ma- martin neil i noticed in the tv coverage very clear, you know, that the smallest player in the wall shouldn't be on the end of it. I, I didn't know it was as clear as that. Is that the way you... you well, would... it depends on your setup, doesn't it? Some goalkeepers like to have a small one if it's on that side so they can potentially see it quicker. You know, right, so okay. if the ball's coming, they get more of a view on it. Joe Hart would have set that wall up. You know, so it's his preference as to why each player is in each position. If it, if not, normally it's on the wall. You know, you're first in the wall, fourth in the wall, you're the charger for for example, and that Joe Hart would sit down with the goalkeeper coach and they'll come up with that. But also at the time, if Joe Hart thought that Kyogo was in the wrong place, he needs to scream and get somebody else there. So it's more an issue of Kyogo moving rather than the fact that he was in the wall in the first place. Yeah, because well, if, he heads, if he jumps and heads the ball mm. or doesn't duck Because I suppose that's the thing, Hugh. Um, I could be wrong, right? Just my sort of mental image. I don't think it goes over Kyogo's head as such. No, it does so, and, he, and he sort of moves, which kind of changes the angle. Kyogo... At the same height that he is, if he'd, if he'd stayed in the right position, it would have been a fine... He would have been an, an effective member of the wall, presumably. Well, presumably. But I'm glad that Marvin uh, has picked up on the point that this is not Callum McGregor's fault. We're getting a pattern emerging here that um, Rio Hatati is trying to get a move and therefore didn't pass to the right players. Now it's the captain who should have uh, changed the wall while the game was in play. But as Marvin points out, goalkeepers responsibility and I go back to it yeah but you, you're relying on him not to move though the way well, and ju- duck and sort of run out turn his back duck I also think the distance the ball had to travel Joe Hart should have got his feet better what and do you, should have saved it what do you make of that Alec do you blame Joe Hart at all for it yeah I blame him but you, you're wrong you're wrong the man in charge is a captain he decided he should be saying no 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 he's not going there well, I'm sitting beside a seasoned professional who has been assistant manager at Livingston, is now manager of Queen of the South, and he's telling you the goalkeeper sets up the wall. And if Joe Hart thought Kyogo was in the wrong place, then Joe Hart should have signalled the danger. I mean, Joe Hart was clearly annoyed at what happened. You could see him shouting at the wall, um, but I think that, again, was in terms of the movement and the way Kyogo turned. Um, how much blame should be put on Joe Hart? Oh, for, for me... In terms of the blame, Joe Hart sets the wall up, but if somebody begins to move... No, 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 sorry, I mean thereafter. Oh. With the shot. I think, you know, Kogo makes it a lot more difficult for Hart because when he does duck, he has to wait for the ball then to go past him. And then, listen, I think he'll look back and think he should still save it. I do think he should still save that, definitely. Um, You know, regardless of the wall, regardless of somebody's ducking, he should get his hands to that and push it, you know, clear of danger. But can I just comment on, see, Alex Mm. saying it's the captain's fault. That's not not at all true. You know, Callum McGregor is is doing his own job. That's the goalkeeper. That's on the goalkeeper to set that up. You know, that, as I said, that's probably on the wall for all Celtic players to know where they are. They practice that in training. This is where you are. If somebody's in the wrong position, then it's on the person that's not in the correct position. It's on Kyogo for them not pulling that player in and saying stand here and also for him ducking. So it's not on the captain at all for Wait, me. Let's quickly go to your second point, Alec, because I think Kyogo sort of links the two points. Is that fair? Yes, it does. Uh, what is 
my, uh, Brendan Rodgers doing with Key Eagle? What is he doing? It'd be better not playing him. Because he's not getting the ball at all. He's not getting the ball at all. In that position he's playing, he's not getting the ball. Last season, he was on the ball constantly. He's not getting the ball and he's not going to score goals for what he's doing. He'd lucky if he had about three touches last night. If you voluntarily do without Key Eagle, Furuhashi, you're in bother. Mm. Because there's no. What, what about the, I think Alex more on about you know is he playing a bit too deep this season that sort oh, of thing. For me, yeah, without doubt. But this is the essential difference between Ange Postecoglou and Brendan Rodgers. Ange Postecoglou had a style of play which really suited Kyogo and Maeda and Abada and everybody else because Celtic won the treble, therefore it, it suited them. But Brendan Rodgers will have to be given time to put the Brendan Rodgers style into Celtic's play. And at the moment, last night was again uh, another example of Celtic not having had a convincing 90 minutes at any point since the season started with the home game against Ross County. Was that a feature of last night, Marvin, that hindered Celtic? Or did Celtic just get a number of big moments in this game wrong, which then throws everything else into the spotlight yeah I think you know like you said the big moments kind of went against them um, and then when that does happen you know you start to dissect absolutely everything that happens in the game um, you know obviously Alec is talking about Kyogo and saying he's coming too deep and you're better off not playing him it's it's the way that obviously Brendan wants him to play but I also remember last season when he was scoring goals and staying higher up people said he could get more involved so you know, it's about finding that happy medium I think when you go into a club and you've got a striker like that scoring those goals you leave them to it you know, you leave them doing exactly the same stuff and you maybe alter things in the round. You see his goal at the weekend. He's he's not not doing that, I take mm-hmm. it, but it just few you know, fewer and far between. Yeah, because he's obviously coming deeper to, to play other play, uh, players in. Was it Ross County where he comes off the game and then, you know, plays it around the corner yeah. and he gets a fantastic assist for that? You know, that last season he probably wouldn't have got that. So you know, it's just about, like you said, them being Rufus in the final third. Thank you, Alec. 01419511025. What did you make of it last night? Let us know right now, please. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevans and Marvin Bartley are here picking over what went wrong for Celtic in Rotterdam last night. So why not? Tell them that they're wrong and you know exactly what happened. Pick up that phone and let us know or tweet us at Clyde SSB. Uh, and of course, plenty more time for us to look forward to European action for the likes of Rangers, injuries, uh, even more injuries today, uh, and Aberdeen as well. But let's continue on the theme of Rotterdam last night with Gary, who's in Blantyre. How are you, Gary? Yeah, good, Gordon. What's your take on some of those big moments last night then? Um, so... I think um, if, a, if a free kick's kind of 25 yards or further out than 25 yards, I think you should do away, the, do away with the wall. Um, and just if, we, if a player wants to have a shot for 25 yards, just at the goalkeeper, if it's going to be a really good strike, to be a keeper for that distance. Bear in mind the kind of success rate of penalties mm. for 12 yards. So, yeah, I think it could be interesting. I've heard the theory before, Marvin. What do you think of that? From that distance... There must be a reason that teams continue to do it, but if you get it wrong last night, the, the wall does it can hinder you because the goalkeeper's unsighted. It gives the player an obvious place to sort of aim. I get the, get obviously why it's there, but the walls, there, like you said, the walls there to do its job though. But when it doesn't, it can right. end like that. You know, I, I do get what Gary's saying, but I think if you start giving players that sort of distance, 
with a dead ball, with, with no wall there, you're going to start conceding a lot more goals than you should from that distance. Like you said, if the wall does its job there, mm. it's really, really difficult to score. But as soon as it starts to, you know, pull apart, goes through the middle of the wall, people start ducking out of the way, it makes it, you know, more difficult for the goalie. I, I, I think you have to play the percentages. Yeah. You know, you, you have to concede that... You're not remembering the ones that hit the wall, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by right, and large, yeah. it's called a defensive wall for one reason. It can be a an aid to your defence. I know what... I know what Gary means though in the sense just on a very general basis when you see that lining up last night you think well this is just this is going to have to be special to go in yeah and it wasn't and obviously it did um, Gary let's move aside from the theory I don't think you've won them over Celtic have the wall last night how much blame do you put on Kyogo how much can Joe Hart do um, I think um, well again no one I refer back to that initial point but um, I think Joe Hart gives far too much space to his left hand side Um Whereas again, um, if, if he's a bit kind of more central, it gets there. Although I do think he was slow with his feet. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a messy goal that you say. It wasn't a great strike, but it went in. And that was kind of kind of typically Celtic in the match. Don't look at their depths and then just kind of shoot yourself in the foot. Um, so a bit disappointing. I think it's it the just it's sorry. I just want to do one more back to Gary. Just when you say kind of typically, Gary, I you you sort of keep note of these more than I do and you'll watch these games filled with emotion is there something quite calamitous at times about about Celtic in Europe in recent seasons does it feel like there, there's always you know maybe a big defensive lapse or a sending off or that that last night does that does that feel like a thing for you Celtic fans um, I wouldn't say calamitous um, calamitous is like in these 7-1 at home sure no I just mean sort uh, of individual moments um, but yeah I just think that um, yeah, things seem to go against us sometimes. Like, again, but even when we've uh, been in Tottenham matches in the past, especially away from home, um, it just seems to be a, you know, a kind of lapse of concentration or a, 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 a kind of refereeing mistake, maybe. But there just always seems to be something that trips us up. Mm. I mean, yeah, Ange, Ange Postacoglu, Ange Postacoglu was brilliant for Celtic for two seasons, absolutely brilliant. But he was useless in Europe as well. They had a campaign mm. where Celtic finished bottom, didn't get Europa League. Scored four goals, got two points, and that was it. Yeah, Clamathus probably was the wrong word, Marvin, but that, that would be, you know, these games are hard enough. That was the point I was trying to make. So take that last season. You got the Celtic were going to lose in the Bernabeu, and it would give you yeah. two, two penalties in the Bernabeu. It's two cent, it's two red cards last night. Add, add into that the goal that really changes the game. Seems like it's completely avoidable. Just feels like just being in the game generally is one part, but then you've got to get those big moments right as well. Yeah, you definitely do. And, you know, when you look at our teams and they are playing in the Champions League, they have to be perfect. They really, really do. Because look at the financial differences between between the clubs and, and some of the people you're going up against. It makes it ever so difficult. And like you said, when you get the big moments wrong in those games, you know, you are punished. You really are punished. You saw that with Celtic yesterday. It's like domestically when teams go and play at Celtic Park, you have to be perfect. And you need your position to be a little bit off it. And that's when... You know, you're eating at the top table. These are the, the calibre of players and teams that you are playing against. So I think it's harsh for us to sit here and say, you know what, Celtic are getting the big moments wrong. Yet yeah, they are doing that, Gordon. But sometimes it's down to you know, teams wearing them down. They're not used to playing at that kind of mm. level, that tempo. So it's extremely difficult, you know. And, and as uh, Hugh said there, you know, as good as Ange was for them, even in Europe, they struggled, you know, definitely the first campaign mm. that he had. So it is tough and it's something that they need to improve on. But, you know, we have to be realistic with it as well. Overall, Gary... What do you take away from last night? Um, I take away that I think will be a match for the other two teams in the in the group as well, and I think we can definitely uh, beat um, Feyenoord at home. Um, 
I don't think that'd be kind of out of the realms of possibility. So, yeah, it's not an ideal start, but I'll wait the top season. The group is always going to be tough. Gary, uh, so. Gary, you're, yes. you're paying no attention whatsoever to Celtic's record at home in Europe. Have you had a look at it? That's in the past, Chug. But you're telling me mm. that without doubt... Feyenoord will suffer at Celtic No, Park. he didn't say that at all. He didn't. He didn't say that at all. He said it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. Which, let's be fair, you didn't. I don't. If, if you want me to place money on it right now, I, I don't know if I'd be confident that Celtic beat them. But it wasn't before. It's, not, it's not a ludicrous thought. Don't be, put words in Gary's mouth majorly. Well, Is it beyond the realms of possibility that Celtic win that game at Celtic Park? For me, yeah. It's beyond the realms of possibility. Based on their Come record. On. Based on their record. What about based on yesterday's game? Yeah, well, based on yesterday's well, game first. Uh, well, if you can guarantee me that Celtic will no go one's through... Garan- no one's trying to guarantee anything. Well, therefore, I, I can't guarantee you any answer then. That it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Based so on it's Celtic's, impossible that Celtic Based on Celtic's that. record at home, they would have to have one heck of a performance. And before they get to Feyenoord, they've got Lazio... And then Atletico Madrid back to back at Celtic Park. Celtic's uh, European adventure with regard to the Champions League will hinge on those two games, mm-hmm. Lazio and Atletico. Sometimes you can spin it both ways, Marvin. We don't know which it is yet because we've only played one game. It does kind of seem like Celtic's group might be quite tight with the ability for teams to beat each other. That can go against you in a strange way because sometimes you might want one team to run away with it. Um, I mean, what about the other game? We'll give it a quick mention. What about what, the goalkeeper? Yeah, I got one. coming up and scoring a 90th, what was it? Fourth, 95th-minute equaliser. Amazing stuff. Um, because Gary says, you know, the top seasons in the group, which they are, but they are because they won the Dutch title. Yeah. Not because they're miles better than Lazio and not because they're miles better than Atletico but Madrid. But better than final for me. You so, know, so it's going to be interesting to see how the group does pan out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it will be tough, but... Like you said, it is a good thing because, you know, anyone could be anyone within that group and that's how Celtic will have to look at it. I, I think if Celtic play against the same final that they played against yesterday and Celtic have a fully fit team, I think at Celtic Park they beat them. I, but, I disagree with but, you on that one. But Feyenoord you can take out of the equation for now because mm-hmm. unless Celtic beat Lazio and Atletico... I was just on Gary's point though of what, what he yeah. was saying. I know what you're saying as well. You know, if they don't win those two games then it almost becomes a... Kind of Impossible. a dead rubber Yeah, yeah. I don't qualify uh, What about Peter Who's also a Celtic fan What are you thinking At the moment Peter Hi I was just having problems With my phone there But I'm phoning from my landline now We've got uh, you loud and clear Don't uh, worry about that Gordon Marvin And Hugh um, right, I, I guess The essence of my is, is, is a statement Or a question Celtic have got all this money In the bank um, I guess the, the question is Infrastructure investment Versus team investment um, I was saying to your producer, Chris, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to single out any players tonight. It's a team effort and I'm not going to scapegoat anyone. So I'm not going to talk about individuals. Um, but obviously last night we had, I don't know about calamities as previously mentioned, but there were individual moments. Uh, my point is that this just keeps on happening. It's been happening for years. It happened with Martin Emil, a new team in, in Seville. It happened with the end of the Martin O'Neill era. It happened with the ten in a row going for going for ten in a row team where we didn't quite make it. And this season again we seem to be prioritising we've got lots of money in the bank, but we're prioritising infrastructure like Lennox Town and, and Battleland and all which is all great stuff. But you know, you've it's about 
speculating to accumulate. You've got to invest in the team. And I think it, during the close season, I think down the spine of the team, and I'm not going to mention individuals, but right down the spine of the team, if we had added a bit more, and also a bit, not just young players, because we're obsessed with this buy, sell, buy, sell, buy cheap. We're obsessed with that. We need a bit more experience. The team, Cal, Cal McGregor's carrying a lot on his, his shoulders. Um, and uh, I just want to know your thoughts on that. I, I think you raise a very interesting point because, you know, by Celtic's own declaration, they have £73 million in the bank. But for me, did not spend wisely enough in the transfer window now closed. Last night, a succession of players were either on the park at the start or brought on to the park piece by piece. And they are projects. Mm. They are not, if I can use the phrase, time-served football players yet. And they're playing at the, the game's highest club level. Mm. And I think that Celtic did not bring in enough oven-ready players when they had the opportunity. And I think it shows. I always, I always, as a kind of matter of routine, defend that slightly, Marvin, because I think for our clubs to sign Champions League of and ready players is, is probably impossible. But is Celtic squad stronger than it was last season? And, and that that really is what the Celtic fans are are coming down to. They've, they 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 had another treble in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, a lot more money and, and made money off Jota. I think they were just all hoping that they would. Be tooled up a bit more for the Champions League ultimately, and as Hugh says, you know, oh, sorry, as Brendan Rodgers said, you know, it's a kind of naivety or inexperience, whatever he said about the red card. But I, and I don't mean to pick on this one player, but you signed Odin Thiago home, and he was going to have to go into these environments, and then it was it his naivety and his, or his inexperience that gets him sent off. Yeah, it's, you make a great point, like Hugh was saying there. They didn't sign players who were ready for for kind of that next level. I think what Celtic have done looking at their transfers is getting players in that will then win them the league again and they can get the experience through the Champions League of Celtic being in mm. this season. So come next season, they are more oven ready, as Hugh was saying there. Will they be completely ready for Champions League football? You know, we can't see into the future, so we're unsure of that. But those players domestically will be good enough. So I think what Celtic have done is try to buy players who add value to them domestically. They can't afford to go out and buy players in the Champions League that, or have played in the Champions League that are going to improve them within that competition. They, they cost far too much money. Uh, I think the point the caller is making is basically, is Celtic a football club or a bank? You know, the, the, you win nothing by holding up your balance mm. sheet. And you cannot fault any business for running their business very prudently, very carefully, and very successfully. However, Celtic is a football club. And it's not just the European dimension that's been a letdown. Domestically, they're, you know, they're not playing in a convincing fashion. It's early days though, Hugh, in terms yeah. of that though. And still top of the league, aren't they? Yeah. So. But, no, I take but, the point. I just, Peter, do you, so you're sort of, you sound concerned overall. You're not taking any positives from you know, being sort of in the game for 40 minutes or anything like that. You, you've got worries about this group? No, no, I, I'm taking lots of positives oh. because because I thought for the first 40 minutes we more than matched Feyenoord. I agree with previous callers. I don't think Feyenoord are nearly as good as what they were made out to be. And and I also think that we could beat this team at, at Celtic Park. Of course we can. Um, there was just, the point I'm making is 
we need more experience. It's like I think Hugh was saying, you know, you're not going to get oven baked um, Champions League players, but there's a. If you look at the middle ground, there's a lot of very good players in Europe who who are ve- who are untapped at the moment, who are very good, who can step up to the mark. Very good experience. The point like I'm who, making Peter? Is ex- experience. Um, we've got too many young players who who, who are naive, um, and and you know, uh, now of course we could we we could do well in the Champions League if we made some wiser signings, and and I just feel that we just keep. So often we're just going for, we're obsessed with money. We, we, and, and if you actually focused more on the actual team and, and the experience that the team needs and, and older heads and having a mixture, then you've got a much better chance in, in situations like last night. You would... but no, I think we've got a lot of really good players. So if you, if you project this team two or three years down the road, if, you, if you're able to keep those players, you have a fantastic team. But the model, but it's, it's development. The model suggests, though, that. You don't want to keep them. The model suggests that mm. you get them in at the two or three million pound level and then hope to sell them yeah, for that, ten times that's, that. That's the challenge, isn't it, Marvin? Because like, again, to cut Lager Bielka a bit of slack, maybe in another injury-free world, he, he doesn't play last night and he's not there yeah. because Carter Vickers is and Navrotsky is, even though he's a new signing. But Yang and Luis Palma, th- th- these these. They're there as sort of main options, really. They're, they're going to have to contribute to Celtic's Champions League group, and well, it, it, it comes thick and fast. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that, that's what they've been brought to the club. I think all players that they've brought to the club, you know, they, they'd obviously be confident them if they have to play in the Champions League. But it's just it's just the way that you know our game works and the finances that we do have. You have to bring in players like Hugh saying for two or three million pounds and try and sell them on. But if Celtic can do that with three more players. You know, produce three more jotters, for example. Then the next time they go out and buy these players, they're six or seven million pounds. You know, because your profits are bigger. So you then start to bring in better players. Mm. That's the only way we can close the gap. Okay, thank you, Peter. Good time to call. We'll try and get you on next. Well, it's been a big old week. Well done to Claire, the latest person to win on Make Me a Winner. She's planning to take the family to Disney and buy a load of Lego for her two-year-old son, Liam. Now, I know Lego's expensive, right? But over 70 grand, you'd like to think you could uh, win a fair bit. And we could make you the winner of £77,000 tomorrow when we make another call. But you have to be in the draw. So text YES to 61025. Texts are £2 plus your standard network rate. You can enter at Clyde1.com. And online entry is £2 as well. Well, or you can call 0330 8804523 with calls charged at a standard rate and it's over 18s only so all the rules for this network competition are online and here's the other important bit if you get the call from us after 3pm tomorrow answer within five rings and say make me a winner straight away to win £77,000 so text YES to 61025 for your chance to win good luck from us This is Scottish Football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Evans and Marvin Bartley are here. It's 01419511025 or it is Twitter at Clyde SSB. Get your calls in. Looking back on last night's defeat in Rotterdam, Celtic down to nine men. Big moments within the game. Bigger, wider picture as well being discussed by the guys. So get your thoughts in right now, Rangers fans. Looking for you to hop on board very soon indeed because Nicholas Raskin is the latest player to be out injured. What's going on there? Uh, How big a blow will that be? How will you fix that issue particularly tomorrow? 
and how does it affect your confidence uh, going into the game in the Europa League let us know on that usual number or on Twitter whilst you get your calls in let's hear a bit more from Brendan Rodgers who despite the defeat does believe his side showed that they can challenge in the Champions League the players show great attitude and, and courage in that first 60 minutes we were well in the game and uh, we created chances and, and like I say with a wee bit more finesse and better decision making we we have been in front so that gives me great confidence for the remainder of the group we've been dismissed as, as maybe a team that's not at this level but I think we showed tonight against a really good team that we can compete at the level for sure got one or two more players coming back over through the course of the, the, the tournament then uh, that'll hopefully put us in really good stead we play fine order in the last game in the group stage and, and what tonight showed me is that we're going to be competing and fighting in this group but the big point for me was their spirit was never broken so much always get said about style Marvin and whether team whether Celtic in particular should you know change what they do or, or adapt to what they do and Celtic lost last night but it wasn't really it wasn't that wasn't down to that stuff really was it I mean you saw Celtic get after Feyenoord and it, it, it well, I was going to say it worked it didn't work because they didn't win the game but yeah. you know almost had a bit of joy out of it as Brendan Rodgers saying if they could have just found that that final pass yeah and that's the thing you know he's he's taken some positives out of the game but it, like we always speak about when you're playing in the Champions League, it is the top end because mm. that's where, you know, the real money makers are for you. So, you know, I think probably talking about Hatate, could he have passed the ball to Kyogo to give him a better opportunity? You know, one or two other things up there. So that'd be something they need to learn from. Um, you know, he's also said they, you know, when they play final next time, then, you know, they'll be able to compete with them. But as Hughes also said, they've got, you know, big games coming up between that. So there's a lot of positives for Celtics to take, I think, especially from from the first half. There's a lot of learning experiences in terms of the red card, etc. Um, but, you know, I, I'll say it again, I think a fully fit Celtic team, um, you know, I think they'll be able to compete with, with all the teams in that group, if I'm honest. Let's bring in Greg in Stirling. What's your feelings on last night overall, Greg? Hello, Gordon. Hello, panel. Um, I don't think we were... I don't think we were a million miles off. I don't think... Uh, well, obviously, we've never done enough to get anything from the game, but uh, I think at that level, it's... it's it's fine margins. I mean, I was saying to the, the producer, even, even silly things to me anyway, like Kyogo being in the in the wall, I don't even know why he's there. He's he's a, he's a wee guy, you know. I mean, that, Marvin's obviously doing his, his, his uh, pro licence for the UEFA. He'll know more than me. But to me, I just, I don't get it. Like, obviously, Joe Hart, once upon a time, was a world-class keeper. He knows what he's doing with setting up his wall, of course. But, um, it's just wee things like that, and I think when they go one nil up, especially at that time, going into half time, uh, they're on the ascendancy. You know, I think it's wee things like this that. Yeah, I know the Celtic it, fans out there, Greg. Will they'll someone will know the answer to this? I, I, it's not something I've noticed. I want, is is Kyogo normally in the wall? Is he normally at that position in the wall for Celtic? I genuinely ha- I have I, no I, idea. I I have no recollection of ever seeing him there. But would you be confident in that? Because I'm kind of the same, but I j- I just don't know. I just don't feel like I've ever paid any attention. I think Someone the, can dig out some footage during the news and send it to me. I think the timing of the goal, as well as the execution and the defending of the goal, uh, are important here because Celtic had matched Feyenoord. Feyenoord were not what was uh, allegedly on the tin. And Celtic were doing away quite nicely. And then at that worst possible moment, Kyogo makes the mistake, Joe Hart makes a mistake, and between them, they cost Celtic the goal. If you want to say fine margins, and that's why Celtic lost, okay. But I think that overall, 
Celtic did not do anything remotely near enough to draw or win the match. Yeah, I think Greg did acknowledge that as well. Um, I mean, Greg, does it get better from here? You know, Hugh and, and Marvin are pointing out that although they were the top seeds in the group, that there's every chance that, you know, Feyenoord, uh, sorry, Atletico Madrid are as good, maybe better. How do you feel about Celtic's chances overall and, and where they are in the Champions League? Well, can't say a last part. I think we belong there, for sure. I don't think it's... Uh, I know I said it before, I don't think we're a million miles off. I know that was just one game, but in general, you know, looking back, of course, when we got beat 7 all. Uh, I forget the other scoreline but to Barcelona PSG but then they beat each other by those scorelines at different mm. times it's just I think there's too much red into that to answer your question uh, Gordon I think we do belong there I'm obviously hoping for the best but uh, yeah so it's all down to I know it's easy to say on, on the day and on the night take our chances uh, I believe we're that sorry I believe we're at that level put it that way I, I don't I don't think we're out of place there but it is quite frustrating. I mean, I'm a diehard Celtic fan, and it is frustrating when you see the same thing kind of over and over. That, yeah, that's kind of what we were on about. It just feels like, if you look, there's two teams to state the obvious. You like, you get sometimes a team can play really badly, and they might just nick a result, and they might yeah. nick something. It's somehow hard to see Celtic doing that in Europe. Does that make sense? That maybe even yeah. they perform worse. Than they did in some of the games last season, or they perform, you know, they, they they have some sort of adversity, but they somehow get away with the result. It's at the moment, it's either well beaten by a much better team like yeah. Real Madrid, or then we come back to fine margins. What combination is it going to take to they've get had, the positive had result? The moment. Um, you know, Gordon Strachan had his moments in the Champions League. Uh, Neil Lennon had his moments in the Champions League, but results in the last few years would tend to suggest that they don't belong there and that, that no Scottish team belongs mm. there. Um, that, you know, we, we hide behind the phrase, ah, we're Europa League teams. Uh, and then they start to drop out of the Europa League into the conference, etc., etc. I don't think at the moment you could truthfully mm. say Celtic belong there. I've just got a really boring thought on that and it's that <laughs> if you qualify for it, you belong there. there, there there's however many, is it 32 teams in it? Somebody's mm. going to be the 32nd best team in it somebody's yeah. going to be the 31st best team in it and therefore you belong there that's just my sort of boring take on it but I, I get what people mean when they get stuck into that argument yeah I think it's, 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 as Hugh said there it's extremely difficult for our teams at this moment in time to qualify out of these Champions League groups I think you know third place would be a success for Celtic if I'm honest um, this season and I think that probably you know the next few seasons going forward and, and unless we get you know, they get massive investment etc so in terms of belonging there can they compete at a level where you know they're not embarrassed definitely um, but I think it would be you know a good few years till we see one of our teams qualify at Champions League. Thank you very much to Greg. What a quick hour that was! It's that time of the night already. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun for the best football news and opinion online. TheScottishSun.co.uk/slash/football. Come on then, it's beat the pundit time. Hugh Evans and Marvin Bartley both my, waiting uh, patiently. My <laughs> specialist subject is taxis in a hurry. <laughs> Did you hear last night's? Last night's no. was an epic. I'll tell you all about it and we'll play tonight's Beat the Pundit very soon. So get your calls in 01419511025 and you need to call by 7 o'clock. Tackle the headlines. 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 
Marvin Bartley and Super Sub Hugh Keevans are here with you tonight. It's 01419511025. We have had a lot being said about Celtic's defeat last night from red cards to position of players in the wall, goalkeeping errors, spending issues, recruitment. It's all been there. Uh, if you want to keep them coming, you can do. It might be a good chance to hear from you Rangers fans though because you're next up in Europe tomorrow how do you feel generally about the game I know you've not been in a, a brilliant place this season according to these phone lines anyway and add to that Todd Cantwell's injury last week no Nicholas Raskin for tomorrow or the next few games either of course Danilo injured at the weekend as well so what do you make of that latest news your thoughts on tomorrow get them in right now and we'll speak to you after we play this Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun for the best football news and opinion online thescottishsun.co.uk slash football Right, it is beat the pundit time honestly what I always say on here please gamble responsibly it's one of our big messages on here last night's contestant came on won but there was, there was a little sort of steward's inquiry and he said alright Gordon double or quits on the tiebreaker <laughs> and then Gordon won the tiebreaker it's always going to happen um, but anyway oh, So man. there we go Let's hope for a bit more of a straight It lasted about 20 minutes last night as well <laughs> So let's hope for more, hope for more of a, a straightforward evening uh, Ryan is in Garthamlock How's it going Ryan? I no bad, no bad Is this your first time? It is I Good, because that was another one last night That was the uh, added hilarity Was that It was the contestant's third goal And he still <laughs> walked away with no ball <laughs> Because he gambled it stupidly So Ryan, no rash decisions tonight, okay? No, definitely. Top man. 30 seconds. We'll get in that clock very soon, but we have to find out who you're playing first. So I'll toss the coin. If it's heads, it's the super sub Hugh Keevans. You, you might be, I don't know, a little bit out of sorts because you didn't expect to be on the show tonight. Well, what would you have been doing if you, if you hadn't got the call? Uh, I, I was watching uh, two of my grandchildren until their mum got back home from her teaching. Oh, that's duties. why you rushed down here so quickly. <laughs> I just left them home alone. Iran. <laughs> You said, I thought I heard reports of a, an elderly gentleman running up the switchback trying to get down here in time. Well, if you'd been in a, another five minutes in making the call, I'd have uncorked the red as well. Oh, that would have made for a good show. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Quarter past five at night. Oh. I, don't, I don't judge, but anyway, please drink responsibly. Uh, heads as Hugh tails as Marvel, wow. nearly. And it is heads. Oh, I'm what delighted. A busy night you've had. You've not play, have you played in a while? No, I haven't. This is fantastic. I like sitting here. Mm, okay, chuck me your pen then. <laughs> give me it. Go to good use. Give you something. Um, right, Hugh, give him some greatest hits radio to listen to. Uh, and we'll get Ryan's clock ready. Ryan, it is 30 seconds. Answer as many as you can. And if you want to pass and move on, that is fine by me, okay? Right, Right, your 30 seconds then, Ryan, starts now. Rangers, Europa League opponents, Real Betis, are from which Spanish city? Who is currently the Aberdeen captain? Pass. Which Scottish Premiership team have trees on their badge? Pass. Lewis Ferguson is the son of which former Rangers midfielder? Uh, Barry Ferguson. Who was the last Scottish men's player to score a goal at a major tournament? Uh, Cal McGregor. Which team have scored the most goals in the Scottish Premiership this season? Celtic. Only one SPFL club in Scotland is still to pick up a point. Who is it? Edinburgh City Okay, okay, okay Let's bring back Hugh Evans. Can you hear us? Bit of Niall Rogers. How good was that, Marvin? Nice. I was enjoying myself there uh, Now yeah. I know why you're so keen to avoid it The producers just told me You're still zero from two this season You've only played twice And lost them both No, oh, that's not correct no, So I lost one to nil And then won the next week 
because I was laughing at the contestant. Dud information. Uh, anyway, Hugh, same set of questions <laughs> to you. You ready? I am. Your time starts now. Rangers Europa League opponents, Real Betis, are from which Spanish city? Uh, Seville. Who is the current Aberdeen captain? Uh, David. Which Scottish Premiership team have trees on their badge? Um, pass. Lewis Ferguson is the son of which former Rangers midfielder? Uh, Derek Ferguson. Who is the last Scottish men's player to score at a major tournament? Uh, Craig Burley. Which team have scored the most goals in the Scottish Premiership this season? Um, Celtic. Okay, okay, okay. What are we thinking, Ryan? I don't know. A couple of questions I've done quite poor on. A couple I've done all right, so I don't know. Oh, talk to me about the first one, Ryan. Oh, you knew it. You knew it. It's the rule I feel guiltiest about on here when it's I have to accept your first answer. You wouldn't have aye, heard it. Ryan said, Betis Seville. <laughs> he just knew it, he's got it wrong. He's, do you know what it is? Scottish football and Seville don't mix very well. We never get the results that we're looking for. So everyone's trying to. For, and I notice where is Scotland's game against Spain? It's in Seville. <laughs> when Celtic played in Porto or, or against Porto 2003 in Seville. Take it, you were there. And our hotel was directly across the road from the Real Betis ground. There you go then. So you were bound to get that right and you did 1-0 to Hugh Keevans. The Aberdeen captain is? Graham Shinney. Graham Shinney. <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> it's no use. Um, 1-0 to Hugh. Come on, both of you. Get with it. Which Scottish Premiership team have trees on the badge? Fur trees. Fur oh, park. Oh, the steel High-flying wow. Motherwell. Um, beaten at the weekend though. Um, Lewis Ferguson... Is the son of Derek, not Barry Ryan? It's 2 0 to you. Uh, you did pull one back though, because Callum McGregor was the last Scottish men's player to score a goal at a major tournament. You're nearly there. 20 odd years out. <laughs> uh, uh, You're thinking the World Cup, obviously. Yeah. The Euros. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what my memory of this is? Because it sums up the difference. He's just been, he's seen it all before. So he's just not going to get excited about this stuff. We did live shows at the Euros yeah. for the dry, uh, from the Drygate. And when Cal and I'm I'm a I'm a really a sort of emotional Scotland watcher anyway. Yeah. Uh, and when Callum McGregor scores, it's on video. Not just me, but the rest of the guys. We sort of jump up, we cheer. The crowd's going. He is just sitting there, just, just <laughs> arms barely even cracked a smile. That's why he's forgotten about it. Uh, so it's two one to Hugh. Uh, Celtic have scored the most goals in the Premiership eleven so far. So you both got it. Hugh stays one in front. But Ryan got one more question Now Ryan did not even know That Betis are from Seville He did not even know That Lewis Ferguson Is the son of Derek But he did know That Edinburgh City Is the only club in Scotland Still to pick up a point There you go Ryan You've plucked wow. that from somewhere Well done to you It means we go to the tiebreaker So here is the deal I will Read the question I'll get Hugh to write his answer down You'll have to give me a pen And I'll then invite you To give me your attempt Ryan Okay Let's do it Very simple How many different teams Have won the Scottish Cup Write it down please Hugh How many different teams Have won the Scottish Cup Let's see your answer If you can And I will take your attempt Ryan 15 15 says Ryan 19 says Hugh It is 25 wow, Hard lines Hugh. Ryan He's oh. done Listen Ryan You lost to a guy Who was at the first Scottish Cup <laughs> final So he remembers Queen's Park's victory Very well So you were you were hard done by. Uh, what are you thinking about your team tomorrow, Ryan? I know you're a Rangers fan. Are you are you confident? Uh, I don't really know how to feel. I mean, obviously, the same asking was it injured the days. Just put a wee bit of a downer because 
the midfield was kind of weak at the moment, so it's one of the ones I'd rather put Nicole Raskin in the team, but I'm pretty confident. I feel if we can get a point out of the game, because I know that Betis are probably looking at one of the strongest teams in that group, so if we can get a point mm. out of that game, I'd be happy, but three points is a must, as they say. It feels like, Ryan, there have been times over the last few years where Rangers sort of outperform their domestic level in Europe. You know, you think of... Does it, do you still take confidence from that, or uh, it just seems, it feels like there's been a lot of negativity about Rangers on these phone-ins uh, this season? I know, obviously, I, I'm, I'm quite confident. So I'm, I just, it's just that that slight bit of negativity, just because of the way the seasons went so far, like in previous games, and then obviously you look at the PSV game, the one at home wasn't really great with a two-each job, and the away one was even worse, but. I don't know, it's just one of the ones, just, you're waiting until the morrow comes, I might feel a lot confident in the morrow, but I don't know. Mm. Those, to counter my own point there, those just serve as a reminder that it can happen, but it's actually oh, it's a, it's a different it's a different team now, isn't it? You're, though, some of those European nights were inspired by Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos, yeah. etc. Um, can, can this new crop of attackers do that? Can they go from looking slightly underwhelming in the Scottish Premiership to... European. What a watershed moment it would be for Michael Beale. You know, they haven't played well. The PSV Eindhoven experience was embarrassing for them. Now you're taking on a team from La Liga and you're minus Cantwell and Raskin and Danilo and you haven't been playing well into the bargain. Now to beat a team from La Liga at Ibrooks would be a tremendous result for Rangers and they would presumably kick on from there mm, Thank you to Ryan playing Beat the Pundit and giving us his thoughts there as well let's quickly bring in Drew who's a Rangers fan in Cumbernauld how would you sum up how you feel about Rangers going into tomorrow Drew? How are you doing Gordon? It's you Marvin uh, I'm listening to Ryan there Gordon Owen and I'm the same I, I will always fancy Rangers on the right and I'll never have no I wasn't the one in the camp where I wanted to see Michael Peel go and I'll always back the manager but I just can't help but, but feel concerned about Gordon Owen. I'm looking at St Johnson game and 2-0, but I just I wasn't convinced with the performance. And I heard a caller last week saying if they get beat off Betis, where, where does Michael Beale's situation lie? And Rangers, Rangers fans demand success in Europe since since a couple of years ago. And I just, I'm looking and thinking Raskin's out, Cantwell's out, who's been a massive player, probably the best player for Rangers, and Dill's out and now Daniel and him. I, I can't help but think if we get beat off Betis and then into Sunday uh, against Motherwell you know, it's, it's it's concerning times for him I think no, and I wouldn't like to see him with you too but I can't help but feel concerned that we're in a, a lot worse situation than what we were on Saturday against St Johnson there and now looking into Motherwell on the Sunday because I know he's been on about, about it being about domestic football no, and I'm mm. just concerned that, that the result on Sunday might, might go does, against Does the Raskin injury how how much does that damage your confidence, Drew? Oh, millions gone because he's him and Cantwell. Listen, some of the new signings have no really have no really hit the ground running for me. And when the two of them came in, no, that was that was a sort of start of the rebuild. And I think a lot of Rangers fans held on to that and thought, no, we've got to trust the manager with these new signings. But I think the players he's brought in just just haven't clicked. And he's been him and Cantwell have been, have been magnificent since they came but I'm looking at the boys Fuentes and there's a lot of noise being made about him about, about the money that he, that he could go for him I'm just I'm just concerned that he's not got the he's starting to live in Neil Dunn I look at Saturday there and he's got Ben Davis in at centre back and, and I think where do we go for here do you know what I mean and 
with the injuries last who who holds the weight does Michael Wheel carry the weight for, for the injuries or is there leniency if he does get beat up bets some other well that the injury list is, is something that lets him off the hook. I've listened to Roger Hanna in recent days on the programme speak about Real Betis being pretty much a free hit for Rangers, but the caller is telling us that that's not how he sees it. Uh, he wants to see a positive result, positive display, carry that into Motherwell in the league on Sunday. Um, but first of all, the team selection will be fascinating. Yilmaz will obviously drop out from the mm. team that played at the weekend because he was not in the the, the European, European group mm. to begin with. Um, who plays up front? Uh, too many matches in quick succession for Kamar Roof or not, as the case may be. Uh, Dessers, uh, who you know continues to split opinion, will he come in? So the team selection will be fascinating, and I I don't think it's a free hit. I think Rangers after the seven goals home and away against PSV, have to avoid an embarrassment in Europe. And it'll be interesting to see Pellegrini, great coach, a man of high calibre, but how much has a 5 nothing defeat against Barcelona taken out of his lot? Um, what specifically are your thoughts on Raskin and that area, Marvin? Because I think a lot of Rangers fans who call in here would probably agree that Todd Cantwell and Nicholas Raskin probably it's not like they've been flying this season yeah. but they're, they're still considered amongst Rangers more reliable players for sure and even then to go beyond that you'd still rather have the option certainly and I mean they would both almost certainly have played tomorrow um, so to not have either and particularly this this Raskin news it's going to be a good few games anyway along with Danilo how big a blow is that? It's a massive blow for them like you said there you know that I'm not saying that they've been their best in recent weeks, but if you're picking the strongest Rangers team, both of them are in there, you know, regardless of who's picking it. So that lets you know how big a blow it is, is for the football club. Um, so it's a difficult one, but it's one they're going to have to kind of get by. They, they won't be able to make excuses, as Drew's saying there. Um, in terms of tomorrow's game, I think a positive performance, you know, if, if Rangers have a narrow defeat um, tomorrow against Real Betis, I don't think, listen, anyone will be be too shocked by it you know or there will be too many complaints but come Sunday against Motherwell there can be no excuses you know that is a game that they have to win domestically so, they have to win that game you don't think there'll be too many complaints I think as long as there's a positive performance you I think, think as long as they can see something in, in terms of tomorrow's game in terms mm. of the performance but you won't get away with that on Sunday would your, would your patience extend that far Drew if it was a good performance tomorrow but you know fell short on the night uh, so Hugh makes a good point I'm on, I'll never, I'll never ever go into a a Rangers game beforehand and, and no fans for them I'll always fans for them on the night but Hugh makes a good point Mo. Ruth just coming back Tom Lawrence Tom Lawrence has just came back are they going to last two games going to Betis because we're going to need them tomorrow when that game comes because who else are we going to put on and are they going to last two games going into Sunday I don't know and and that's what concerns me because it's going to be an R2 players doing it if they don't Michael well, Beale has this perilous existence where he's judged game by game mm-hmm. PSV and Celtic created that kind of mood. The game at Perth, and you were there, Gordon, I, I thought Rangers' performance was fairly dire. But they scored two very good goals mm-hmm. and they got the job done and that was sufficient on the day. So now Michael Beale moves on to the next game, which happens to be Europa League, happens to be a team from La Liga. So does that game-by-game game thing does that does, does it still apply given it's an obvious step up in 
in opposition, even I, although they did lose five 0 at the weekend. I I think for the majority of the Rangers fans, yes, it does, because they keep pushing Michael Beale against the wall. We want to see mm. good performances, we want to see good results, and we'll not settle for another PSV Eindhoven experience. So, on short rations, having lost Raskin, Cantwell, Danilo, he will still be expected to win a home game, even against a team from La Liga. Right, what do you think, Rangers fans? On that Raskin news, how big a blow is it? How would you fix it? What's your solution? What about the feelings overall going into the game? Michael Beale says it's now time for Jose Cifuentes to make his mark with Raskin out injured. He thinks the midfielder has shown promising signs, but believes it's time for him to kick on. Well, I think he came in very late. I thought in his first couple of games, he did some really good things. He fantastic cross against Servette, which should have been an assist. He had one also against Livingston, where the defenders made a fantastic block from Cyril Desson. So he's been unfortunate in that. And uh, then he's been away on international duty. So this is his moment. He's been here for a while now. I, I said it recently that you know the new players have been here long enough now he was the last one to come in but I still think he's ready to go he played against Argentina last week with his national team so he's experienced he's played in a World Cup um, so he's an experienced player I think the domestic games are a little bit more different than the European games for him so let's see I think um, he's clearly a talented player and, and the more he plays for us I'm sure everybody be be more aware of that but he's a player that we brought in with high hopes for and so this gives him an opportunity to have a run in the team now Come on then what do you think Rangers fans pick up that phone and just before we move on you mentioned Manuel Pellegrini mm. have you ever been able to look at him the same since someone pointed out that he's a dead ringer for head from Art Attack <laughs> do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah I do know who that is How no. much does do it not? look? How much? As if you watched Art Attack. He was in his sixties when Art yeah, but Attack I thought was his on. Children would have been watching it. I didn't let it them does. watch television. No, okay, just let them. You can lean over to my screen here. Does does this not ring any bells? Head from Art Attack. Oh, no. I see. Yeah, anyway. uh, Manuel was better looking. <laughs> Good time to call. We'll get you on next. Taking your calls on Scottish football. 0141-951-1025. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevans and Marvin Bartley are here. It's 0141-951-1025. Going to hear a bit more from Michael Beale in just a second. So let's keep building up to that game against Real Betis tomorrow. How are you feeling, Rangers fans? Can you find some confidence in there? Are you fearing the worst? How important is progression from this group? How realistic is it? What about Nicholas Raskin's injury and so on? Uh, give us a shout. 01419511025. I do have a full-time teaser for you, so let's get the question ready. The full-time teaser with Sliding Wardrobe Solutions East Kilbride. Tackle your customers' spaces with made-to-measure wardrobes. I've got a slight concern with this question oh. in that I think despite his limitations, Marvin Bartley <laughs> <laughs> will absolutely squish this. Beyond No, you're putting too much pressure. No, no, on me. genuinely I do. Is it so, about red cards? <laughs> so I think Well I have been doing the heavy lifting today. I think, I think we should so. let no no no, I think we should sort of let Hugh do it and then yep. you can kinda of help him where required. Right, I, I okay. genuinely think this will be too easy for him and you'll see why in a second. Oh. Um, speaking of red cards Did you hear you got a new nickname On the show last week <laughs> What is my new nickname? The Dodgem <laughs> Who gave me that? It and was, why? It was Mark Wilson He's been on this show For about 15 years It feels like It's the funniest thing He's ever said It was great Because <laughs> we're talking about You at the Masters How 
he didn't really want the ball nope. he just wanted to bash into people and Mark said what is he a dodger <laughs> and I thought that is a, that's a that's kind of sums up his performance Wait, I sit next to him in here listen he'll be staying away from you he was showing the camera he's got bruises all over his arm he was going like this last week he's got bruises here there, he's showing his muscles and, off no that certainly wasn't the case <laughs> Um, but anyway, right. So the question, Hugh, that you need to answer, yeah. ably assisted by your pal here, can you name the last nine players to be capped by Scotland whilst at Hibs? Okay, so the last nine mm. players to be capped by Scotland whilst at Hibs. Marvin, Marvin loves Hibs, so he mm. would get this too easily. Right, Porteous. Yes. Great question. Um. Um. Louis Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. And one more guess for now. Uh <sighs> oh, John McGinn. Yes, he did get his first cap in 2016 whilst in the championship at Hibs. Correct. And I'll r I remember, I remember on this show and others why are we calling up players from the championship? Yeah. He got a lot of stick for that, by he's the way. Right, yeah. oh, he's done all right, hasn't he? He's done okay with that. Incidentally, Marv, what about that? 33 and a third percent. Straight Just away. like that. Brilliant. Yeah, I've yeah. not... And I, obviously, I get the logic, but that was a thing at the time, wasn't it? There was a big... Oh, it was massive. Now, why is he in the Championship? And someone in the Premier League, Scottish Premiership, wasn't getting called up. And they were like, well, why is John McGinn getting called mm -hmm. up ahead of him? And was there not the story as well? It was like... Um, I think you know Gordon Strachan made it kind of known that he was really impressed because John McGinn carried the carried the kit or carried the hamper or yeah, something. They got off to train somewhere, and I think a lot of the players just headed off and and went. And John was there helping the physios and the staff basically carry carry the kit off. And then everyone's oh, is that is that why we're giving players a game now? <laughs> did did no, just you just you wait just now. Don't worry. You, oh. Don't give me more answers. You've got right. you've got plenty of time. Uh, let's hear a bit more from Michael Bealwells. You Rangers fans out there, get your calls in on how you think tomorrow will go. What you think the team should look like in the absence of Nicholas Raskin, um, and anything else that does surround the fixture. Michael Beale hopes that playing in the Europa League can raise the level of his players. He believes it is a competitive group, but the expectation is to get out of it. Well, the same as always, there's a financial element, but there's a competition element as well. And you're playing against uh, teams with different styles that are obviously successful in their domestic league. And I think that challenge helps you domestically because obviously the level is high and your team have to get exposed to things. And hopefully it raises the level of your, of your team and players. As a club, we have a huge tradition in Europe and the European nights and it's important that we um, we have a good season this year in Europe. It's a good group that we're in. Two teams won their championship last year. Obviously, Real Betis was six in La Liga and they won their group last year with Roma unbeaten. Obviously, Roma went to the final, so they've showed their pedigree in the competition. I think they've recruited well in the summer. So, listen, it's a, it's a competitive group, but we're expected to get out of it. Aldi? Really? Well, I think he probably means internally, certainly. Um, you know, it, it works one of two ways, this. You know, you, you have good results in Europe and it impacts favourably on your domestic form or you have bad results in Europe and it impacts in a negative way. And Rangers have known that this season, you know, the PSV, Eindhoven experience and then they play Celtic after that, a Celtic team, seriously weakened and Celtic win at Ibrox. So... An earlier caller said he wanted to see Rangers do well tomorrow night and carry it into the Motherwell mm. game on Sunday. But he was suspicious of Rangers not getting a good result and not 
doing as well as they might against Motherwell. So that's the, the fascination. Um, I mean, Betis have gone to Villarreal already and won mm. this season, Marvin. Um, so they, they sort of know what they're doing uh, on the road. Drew at home to Atletico Madrid as well. People mentioned the most recent game. In the context of Rangers, we probably shouldn't, and no offence to Rangers, but we yeah. probably shouldn't read into a 5-0 defeat at the new Camp. It's probably not that mm-hmm. relevant, um, unless they are severely psychologically damaged from it. I think this game's the right game for Rangers because I think a lot of people out there were expecting Real Betis to win it. Also, Real Betis would be coming to Ibrox, going to attack Rangers. They're not going to sit behind the ball. And I think you might see, you know, speaking about the Rangers forwards, where we see a spark from, I think they might come in this game where domestically outside of playing against Celtic, teams are just sitting behind the ball and starving them, you know, of, of space in behind or, you know, balls coming to the box. People are touched tight to them. Where Real Betis will really be coming expecting to win this game of football. They're not going to be on a counter-attack. They're going to try and dominate the game they're going to try and dominate possession I think that will open up the game for Rangers and that's why I think you know on their run to the final we saw that Rangers were so much better in Europe because teams actually came and it was, it was a game of football yeah. rather than teams sitting in uh, let's bring in Billy who's a Rangers fan um, I mean no, no Nicholas Raskin Billy how much of a concern is that what are you thinking more generally about tomorrow as well yeah obviously Raskin's a, a wee bit of a doubt well, a big yeah, bit. He's more doubt, yeah, he's out for sure. <laughs> um, but I think tomorrow night it's going to be a. It's, I'm I'm optimistic, if you know what I mean. Um, where, where does that optimism come from, Billy? Because I'm not saying you're wrong at all, but I'm fascinated because I think a lot of Rangers fans still are, despite the fact that it's not been a, a blistering start to the season. So where does the optimism come from? Well, there's 52,000 po- uh, 52,000 people inside the Ibrox. The atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric, but it is in every European game. And I think the fans will, will spur on the team. I don't know. Um, I, I want to see. Um, I want to see a commitment for Rangers. I mean, that people keep saying, you know, ah, we've got this, we've got this, but um, he's got to prove it. You know, the team have got to prove that they want to play for the badge. On I mean, that point. You've got 52,000 Nybrooks tomorrow night. And I, I really hope that they will drop to speed. On, and, the, uh, on that point, Billy, of the 52,000 people, what happened when Rangers played Celtic then? Well, we're still there. I know I know a lot of people grumbled and the rest of it. But um, European games are a whole different atmosphere. Yeah, I think we've added a couple of thousand on to the capacity, but we, yeah. won't, we won't split hairs over that. Um, look, it, again, it can happen, Marvin, and I know people may be looking for something a bit more cutting edge. Um, mm. we, we have seen it, I, I remember, over the last few years, people not being that convinced by Rangers domestically, and then you watch them on a European night and think that they, you know, they had this sort of formula. But that doesn't necessarily last forever um, obviously the PSV games were very disappointing but again is that because PSV were brilliant Rangers were poor well I guess we start to find out tomorrow yeah like you said it, it, there's not a formula really to it um, you know I spoke earlier on about the game being more open because Real Betis will come there really believing they can win that game of football the flip side of that is that probably outside of Celtic you're playing against a team that can really punish you when you give them chances and we've seen so far this season that Rangers have passed up a few chances that have been missed by the opposition domestically. If they do that again tomorrow, they're going to be punished. So 
it would definitely be an open game. I'm really interested in, you know, the team that Michael Beale selects mm. because, you know, we've spoken about players that I don't think can play Thursday, Sunday, i.e. a roof, Lawrence, for example. But he doesn't want to go with seen as a weakened team tomorrow, saving players for Sunday. And then all of a sudden you'll get you're getting embarrassed at Ibrox. Genuine right, maybe, maybe apart from Kamar Roof. Mm-hmm. What what is seen as weak and what is seen as strong right now? Because go, go back to the weekend, that looked like just from the outside a real concerted effort to play the players who hadn't been away on international duty. Mm-hmm. All the ones who'd been away were, were left out pretty much. Yeah, and we saw Danilo start. Obviously, has to go off. There's an opportunity then to bring Dessers on because he's the one that's been playing, but he's not the one that's brought on. Mm-hmm. Sima is, and Matondo joins in later on. So you know have. Have they done enough? You you look at, as Hugh referenced at the top of the show, Yilmaz played. He can't play tomorrow, so yeah. presumably Barisic or, I don't know, does Dijon Sterling play? Uh, ben Davis came sort of from nowhere to, to go in and, and John Suter was left out. What right now is what's strong yeah, what's, and what's not? What's the strongest team? No, you're right. It is, it is one of those, isn't it? That sometimes you do look at the selection and like you said, the boys have been on international duty, you know, Suter being another one that, that, that didn't play in that game. Um, but I, I think, you know, Defensively, you know what their, their kind of strongest four will be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think Barisic will, will go back in at left back. I think Suter comes back in if it's their strongest back four. Um, for me, the midfield area will be will be interesting. But like you say, when you go to the top end, is Seema seen as the, the one now that's going to lead the line or, or is it Odessa? Um, but, you know, one thing we do know for certain is that there has to be a positive performance tomorrow. And as I said, I think a narrow defeat, I think the, the Ibrox faithful will, will take that. But they need to see a, a performance and a strong performance going into Sunday. Uh, I, I do think that they will not just take a, a narrow defeat. They want to see something more than that. Um, do you think they expect to win that game tomorrow against Real Betis? Rangers fans expect to win every time at mm-hmm. Ibrooks. If they were playing Barcelona tomorrow at Ibrooks, <laughs> they would expect to win. Um, so it's an interesting one, but Gordon makes the, the most telling point of all. You can't second guess Michael Beale. Mm-hmm. Every time he picks a team, you think, who, where does he come from? Uh, and it will be like that tomorrow. I think, um, especially we're going to have to not play Raskin, one that would have yeah. played. Well, Ruth will be in the strongest team, won't he? If yeah. you're picking their strongest team, Ruth mm-hmm. will be in it. So if he plays tomorrow, I don't think he can play on Sunday because of the, the problems he's so had. Back to the old tested, perhaps, and you know, the sort well, of Jack, Jack, Jack well. and Lundstrom I do think there's a, with the sounds of it. There's mm-hmm. No possibility with the greatest respect to the mighty well. There's no possibility of Michael Beale prioritising Motherwell over Real no. Betis. As I say, he's, he's going game by game and he has to you know, keep mm. on delivering it. He delivered on Saturday. It was unattractive, but he got there with two good goals. Look, the way you look at it is, is that coming up against players like Isco will be good preparation for facing Lennon Miller, Callum Slattery <laughs> and Blair Spittle on Sunday. Just you remember that. You've seen the way those three are moving the ball this season. From Pellegrini to Kettlewell. Incredible, incredible. Thank you to Billy. Uh, how are you faring on this teaser, please? Hugh, did, well, it's just did, you. Can we, I'll did, re- uh, recap it quickly. Nine, The last nine players to be capped by Scotland whilst at Hibs. You've given me... What so far? Porteous, uh-huh. Stevenson, McGinn. Yep. John McGinn. Did Big Brother Paul McGinn get a cap? Well, he <laughs> did, yes, he got one. We'll get the rest right. of the answers and more of your calls next. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141 951 1025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Hugh Evans and Marvin Bartley are here and there's still time for you to squeeze in a call on 0141 951 1025 uh, So let's get 
a quick recap of the teaser to make more room for some calls. Thanks to the Crazy Pony for sending it in. Uh, we're looking for the last nine players to be capped by Scotland whilst at Hibs. Marvin would scoosh this, we think. So we're letting Hugh do it with Marvin's help. You've given me Paul McGinn. You've given us... John McGinn. John McGinn. Stevenson. Gave Stevenson and... Porteous. Porteous, okay. David Marshall. No. Because mm. he only went to Hibs start of last season. Yeah. yeah. Can you can you hear the sound of the wall coming up? To me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying that sound. Liam Henderson. No. Um, no, he's never been. He started. He started well. Hugh Evans. Now he's fading fast. I'm struggling a bit. Is it Paul Hannon. Yes, one cap. Okay, you can have that. How many have you got left then? Uh, we've got five. Okay, four to get. Right, let's bring in Richard and Livingston. How's it going, Richard? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Good. What are you thinking about Celtic's well performance last night and maybe bigger picture overall? Uh, well, it's more to do with the transfer policy. Yep. Um, I just think that I, I get the club, you know, uh, buy low, sell high, but we've never increased the buy low price. You know, everything's incremental. Like, whatever I bought for a pound ten years ago, I can't get now. Celtic have never changed. And um, I, I just think that with the money in the bank that we've got, there was clear areas that needed um, strengthened in the team. Uh, the left back and the goalkeeper, like, if you look at the goalkeeper, I'm not saying that Joe Hart's a bad one, but all we've got after that is Scott Bain. Mm. And last night, Feyenoord were consistently putting the ball to Greg Taylor, because they knew that was a weakness. Now, if they know it's a weakness, then... Right, why didn't Celtic? We're just we're, we're not spending the money. We've got it in the bank. Yeah, we're continually buying it, like around about two million, two and a half million, apart from Burnaby, um, who didn't work out. But we're just not we're not addressing it at all. Yeah. I we're think just, I think just in, in just in terms of accuracy, I think that the the point may still be valid, and that Celtic should spend a bit more, but. The, the, there have been a number of signings that have been more than that and there have been mm -hmm. some relatively look at Odson Edward yeah. Jota Cameron Carter Vickers even money spent Christopher Julian um, yeah. even Mike, Mike Navrotsky and players like that are still considerably more than the two and a bit million that R Richard spends think, that doesn't mean he's entirely wrong but I, I think just to be accurate about that I, yeah of course and I think the, the first thing to say is that the buy small sell big philosophy has made Celtic tens of millions of pounds mm. they have what the system beautifully what are they and doing with it is Richard's exactly, next point exactly that's it? the point I, I think you look at all the activity that took place you're bringing in Paolo Bernardo or Home or Quan or Yang they're not ready and you know the, never mind Europe take Europe out of the equation they're not fully ready for the domestic mm. football yet. Possibly so, uh, a bit early to know that though, isn't it? Especially those ones you've just named. Barely, well, barely seen them domestically. Uh, well, th th there may be a reason why you haven't seen yeah, them. Yeah, but they've, they have, and I know it's not flying, but they have joined a, they have joined a treble winning they're, side. You know, they're they're, not, they're, There wasn't major surgery required. For me, there was a glaring need to get someone as backup for Kyogo. He's living on a game-by-game -game basis. You know, he, he disappeared up the tunnel to have his shoulder put back in on Saturday. One 
time, that shoulder will pop and it won't be popped back in again. And they require surgery. And if you take Kyogo mm-hmm. out of the Celtic equation for weeks and possibly months, Celtic will suffer as a consequence and they should have brought in someone as backup. It's hard to replace him or, or bring him back up for him. I, I totally agree. Kyogo is, is is a massive, massive player and I think, you know, if they were to lose him, mm-hmm. you know, the drop down to Ovat being disrespectful and, and the style of player is totally different. So it'll be a huge blow to them. Probably you have... Hugh, I think, is bringing in another striker. They have to know that they're back up to Kyogo. So that almost limits your market straight away. You know, it's not even one of those that you think, I'll get an opportunity in the team, I'll score goals, I'll stay in. Kyogo is, if he's fit, he's playing. I think we saw that last season with Jack and Macus, and that's why potentially he left the club. So it's a really, really difficult area because I think we can all see it that maybe they should have brought in another striker. But I think you're extremely limited to mm. the type of striker that you're able to get. Um, I mean... Richard, is it all about the, the amount spent? I know it generally sort of links to how good the player is, but if you look at how Shrewd said, you know, Kyogo, that wasn't for a big fee, Hitati wasn't for a big fee, is it is is that just the unfortunate challenge? You just have to keep finding these gems? Uh, no, it's the way it's spent. There, there's something not quite right. So when Brendan Rogers, I remember the interview about uh, Sped. Yeah, I remember it, a, yeah. A billion winger. All we've brought in, well, we've brought in like most of the set of hats because I had to, and then we've brought in wingers. But Jew uh, was right, we did, or we do need a striker because the Asian Cups uh, coming up in February, I think it is. Um, we definitely needed a left back and we needed something in goalkeeper, and nothing's been mm. done about yeah, there are certain areas, and because by the way, look, last night was not Greg Taylor's fault. It's not where no, I'm going. Hang on, sorry, it's not where I'm going. How good was Greg Taylor last season? He's one of the no, no, best but, Celtic but, but that, players. But that, so. No, but that's the point. Hope to get to that, Celtic mm-hmm. have gone into Champions League group stage with Greg Taylor at left back and no Burnaby in the European squad. Yeah, right. So and now all of a sudden, having been goodness knows where in the pecking order, are we led to believe that Liam Scales is the backup left back mm-hmm. for a Champions League group stage? That it wasn't. A, it wasn't a reflection on Greg Taylor. Yeah, it's more. How how did that happen? How, that how, happen? How, do, yeah. how do you get there, Hugh? Where? Um, you know, Greg Taylor is another one who suffered mm. uh, temporarily or otherwise from the change of management. Yeah, but again, this isn't even about criticism of him. It's just no. more about recruitment, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And recruitment will be a, a recurring theme for Celtic uh, as long as the Champions League progresses because they are going to have tremendous difficulty against Lazio at Celtic Park and then Atletico Madrid at Celtic Park. And Liam Scales has been wonderful against all expectation. The guy from Shamrock Rovers who had previously only played one European qualifying tie for Shamrock Rovers against Slovan Bratislava has been mm. tremendous for Celtic. But, you know, I agree with the caller. Money was spent in the summer and good money, but it was spent on players you hope will make the team in the fullness of time. And I'm not saying you should have been buying Harry Kane because obviously you couldn't. But players of greater experience should have been brought in. Uh, so you're not holding out much hope for this group or are you, Richard, despite what you've said? Um, it, it depends on the injuries, to be honest. I think um, the back... I think we've a chance to get... I think we can beat Feyenoord at home. I think Lazio was a really 
bad one to get in top three. But um, no, I think we've got a chance. We will see. It's going to be an interesting few weeks. Thank you, Richard. Moving swiftly on to our other European representative, Aberdeen, go from joint bottom of the Scottish Premiership, no wins to date, to taking on a team that, sorry Rangers fans to remind you, won the Europa League the season before last. How tough an ask. Um, that's a massive, massive ask for, for Aberdeen. Um, an extremely tough one, like you said, I think Hugh has mentioned it earlier. I saw them against Hearts and, and they're, they're looked out of sorts. Um, you know, Robson's spoken about that they'll be okay and etc. The players that they've brought in, they just need time to gel. But that's not a place you want to be going with, with players trying to gel. Um, I think it's a, it's a huge game. It's one that, you know, if they're not careful, they could be in, on the end of a, of a really big scoreline. Um, they have to start the game. I know Aberdeen like going man for man and pressing all over the place, but it's going to be a difficult game. I think we could see Aberdeen go with a slightly different tactical approach and maybe sit off the game. Because as I said, if you go out there with those sort kind of, of tactics, you get in trouble. Did they not? I mean, they yeah. launched the ball long. Well, they went, they went long castle. with it, but I mean, out of possession, they were oh, going right, man okay. for man and they were all over the place. They're, they're launching it long to a player, Duke, who hasn't mm. scored for 13 games in the bounce now. And uh, defensively, at Tynecastle, they were inept. And uh, you shudder to think, if you are inept in Frankfurt, what will happen to them? Should we, you know, because we're used to doing the Glasgow thing here, and if I don't know exactly what the equivalent would be, so I won't, won't try, but... Celtic or Rangers, would would it be roughly like coming up one against one of the absolute elite sides in Europe? You know, yeah. in relative terms, Aberdeen to yeah, Frankfurt. Yeah. I, so, I so should we be cutting them some slack? Should it be a free hit, as the annoying phrase goes? Yeah, as much of a free hit as you're going to get in yeah. football. I, I I think that definitely. Um, I don't think you know the most optimistic Aberdeen fan will be expecting to go into that game and win it. They just, again, just want a good performance. What what, what does remain then, Hugh? Because like it, if it was Celtic or Rangers, that is fine, but you, you, you still need to avoid the, the real heavy ones, don't you? That's oh, where yeah. it becomes like not as acceptable. I'm told by those who were there that the Aberdeen players went to acknowledge the Aberdeen fans at the end of the game at Tynecastle and were told to go away. I think that's the, the, the polite way of saying it. <laughs> Uh, so the, the Aberdeen fans are restless they don't like what they're seeing and you know fans are unforgiving they won't say ah well you know we are off form and this is a team mm. from the Bundesliga no, they will to a point though that's, that's what we're saying though no? well if it gets very bad yeah. then they reserve the right to say this is awful sack the manager what's happening here yeah, it's going to be an interesting game that one tomorrow for sure The big midweek of European action does continue So make sure you join us uh, to build up to kick off for Rangers and Aberdeen But we're nearly out of time on this teaser And thanks again Oh by the way, what 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 a faux pas on the teaser Jerry and Erskine has called in to say That's my teaser And we accidentally <laughs> um, thought it was the crazy pony I stand corrected Well done to Jerry and Erskine well for sending Jerry. It in. Right. Um, Come on Pep Nine Come players on. to be capped by Scotland Whilst at Hibs Porteous McGinn's Paul and John uh, You give me Paul Hanlon You give me Lewis Stevenson Quick Are the others pre-me I would say Yeah probably uh, Yeah a bit of them No bit so, of a mix Kevin Thompson? No, 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 no. After that, oh. what about a kind of recent one striker that now plays for Millwall? Oh, Nisbet, Kevin Nisbet. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a tough one, right? 
two caps in 2019 so under sort of Alex McLeish he was on loan from Reading at the under time who? Uh, at Scotland oh he was on loan from Reading played for Dundee United ah oh, McNulty Mark McNulty started his career at Celtic also played for Aberdeen been down the road Dylan McGeoch oh and happened to score Dylan, happened to score for Scotland against England twice from free kicks oh, I don't know who that is <laughs> no idea that would be the boy Griffiths <laughs> Griffiths he was got one cap whilst on loan from Wolves in 2012 so there we go I think that's us isn't it did Dylan McGeoch not play for the Republic of Ireland no no maybe you youth level he did Oh, maybe. He's yeah. got a Scotland cap. Yeah. So there we go. Thanks again to Sliding Wardrobe Solutions East Bride for helping us out with that. Six o'clock tomorrow, it is Gordon DL and Charlie Mulgrew. So make sure you join us. Callum Gallagher's up next. He's got music from David Guetta and Little Mix for you. <laughs>